everyone. Hi, hello. It is me, Allison Rosen. Welcome to another episode of Allison Rosen is your new best friend. I am sitting here in dining room studios with Henry Phillips of the new comedy special, Neither Here Nor There. Also, the YouTube hit series, Henry's Kitchen and Punching the Clown and Silicon Valley and other stuff. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So I really enjoyed Neither Here Nor There. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. Thank you. And I watched a bunch. I had seen Henry's Kitchen before, mm-hmm. but I watched a bunch of them this morning and laughed all over again. Oh, I'm so glad. Yeah, that was about. It's been about exactly five years since I did the the one that started it all, French toast, <laughs> oven baked French toast. So for people who perhaps <laughs> haven't seen Henry's Kitchen, although you've gotten like close to like five million views or something, is uh, that I think right? the series has about three million views. Okay, so yeah. That's close to five million. It might be five million tomorrow. You never to, know. It, yes, that's right. <laughs> Once this <laughs> comes the out, works. just wait. Yeah. Um, so if people haven't seen it, it's kind of a parody of a cooking show with Henry playing a guy named Henry, mm-hmm. who is uh, the most like in the kind of constantly in the midst of an existential crisis mm-hmm. while cooking. I would say, and nothing quite goes right. That's pretty much. How dead would you on. describe it? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's I, I've dark. always found failure to be hilarious. It's just to me, it's so funny. I mean, I remember when I was in my early teens, uh, or probably even yeah, like eleven or something. I remember seeing Gary Shandling on the Tonight Show, and he was talking about dating and and how awful he was at it, and just so many just loser stories about <laughs> meeting girls. And they used to make me laugh so hard because. I was sort of like, that's probably what I would be like, you know, when I get into the dating scene or whatever. And I don't know, that always kind of stuck with me. And then Albert Brooks um, has that movie Modern Romance that used to just kill me. I don't know. I, it was always, it was such a, an intimidating thing uh, to be social and um, and I was so not good at it. Uh, I just immediately went to laughing about how ridiculous mm-hmm. it was. So... Um, somewhere in yeah my early 40s or whatever i was living by myself i was going through a breakup at the time and then i was uh um every time i decided to cook i uh i would go on youtube and try to see you know how to cook like how do you make uh i don't know chili or whatever and it was just so funny to me because there was like this this whole world of people that just feel like they want to teach people something, but it was so pathetic. Like there was one guy like in his attic or like maybe his mom's attic or something like that, just sitting there in front of this crabby camera and just be like, okay, we're going to make chili. And he's like got a hot plate or something. But (laughs) the whole time I was like, what is your life? Like the real story is what's going on with you and why are you teaching the cook? And like the, the dish is really not the interesting part Mm -hmm. about the video. And so I was like, I have to, as a comedian, I have to make my own versions of these. And I always liked that style where you, like Spinal Tap, where you hope that there's an element of people that don't even know it's a joke, you mm-hmm. know? And that's what I was trying to do. And um, and that I still try to do that to this day. But um, yeah, I did the first one, uh, How to Make Oven-Baked French Toast. And, um, you know, I, a bunch of my friends shared it on Facebook and everything like that. And then the second one just went crazy, like several hundred thousand views. And I was like, oh, wow, this is really interesting. I think I struck a chord with a lot of people because it was a lot, exactly what a lot of people were doing at the time, like looking uh, looking at those instructional type videos. And I was trying to play it so straight. Um, Which was the second one? Uh, chili for one. <laughs> yeah. How <laughs> to make uh, Henry's Chili for One. And yeah, that one really went... And so now here I am, I have, 
it started as just sort of like something to do while I was waiting for the phone to ring. And then now literally I'll do shows like in Chicago or in Austin and people will show up with aprons and <laughs> they'll, they'll be, um, you know, a third of the audience is, uh, people that came because of my cooking series. There's only three of them because there's only nine people at my show if you're doing the math. But uh, still, that's pretty cool. No, and I've got a soundtrack album for it now. And um, Mike Judge was a fan of those. And uh, and I actually got to be on Silicon Valley kind of based on that character. Oh, know? that's so cool. Yeah. They, he, um, they were all just like, you know, yeah, if you could basically just do that, do whatever you do. And I'm like, okay, that's, mm-hmm. that's easy. So, yeah, it's really kind of turned into a whole thing, which is exciting because it's inspiring. I mean, I couldn't have been at a lower point. I, I had just, what was going on in your career or life I had just point? done the Montreal Festival for the second time, and I never really felt like I was clicking there. You know, I, I felt like all the shows that I did went not only fine, I thought it went pretty good. And then I'd check all the, uh, you know, whatever... Um, blogs or you know reviews or anything like that and i'd never see my name mentioned Mm -hmm. in anything it's just really hard to get any attention and it was sort of a microcosm of what the whole entertainment business was for me so i was just kind of at this point where i didn't really know who i was or what the heck i was doing um and i still love doing uh comedy clubs obviously doing my uh my act and my music and all that but um but this is a fun new thing uh sort of acting, directing, filmmaking, you know. And uh, and that's led to a couple other things, too. Mm-hmm. Now, at one point, you were pursuing music earnestly, right? Yes. Yeah, way, way back. Um, I've always been into music. Ever since I was eight years old, I started playing the guitar and then a little bit of piano and just obsessed, addicted, you know, four hours a day, easy throughout all of high school. I was playing mm-hmm. the guitar. Oh, I should explain for listeners. Mm-hmm. A lot of your act, you you do a fair amount of like just telling jokes and yeah. stand up, but also a lot of it is funny songs. Songwriting. So that's yeah, where yeah. The, the guitar question came Yeah. From. And it started out, honestly, a little bit similar to the way the kitchen thing. They're kind of parallel stories, but picture me more like just graduating from college and not really know, knowing what I'm doing. And with long hair at one point, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I always had the long hair. <laughs> and, uh, and so um, I, uh, it was the same kind of thing. I, I would go around to these open mic nights and see people uh, wearing their heart on their, on their sleeves d- doing, you know, serious music. And I was dabbling in it myself, but so, there's something in me that just was like, I'd rather be the guy making fun of this. And so that's where the first several songs, it, that same thing where I'm like, well, if if there's a percentage of people that are watching and don't even know that I'm joking, mm-hmm. then that's perfect for me. So, um, yeah, I, I started doing that and I, and I really got excited about it because I was like, oh, well, this way I can do my music, but I, I was also getting a little bit of success at it. Like people were turning their heads. I was doing like all the, the, um, are you based out of LA? Um, I grew up in Orange County, lived, okay. lived in New York for years and then moved back to LA about six years okay, ago. Okay. Yeah. Cause I knew there was a New York thing, but, um, well there used to be a place here called the Highland grounds. Yes. I, and, I saw, uh, yeah. I want to say I saw Beck there, but that's not who I saw there, but I saw someone of some note there a long time oh, ago. Cool. But I yeah. remember that like, Years and years ago, I had gone Yeah, there. this was a long time ago. This was probably early 2000s. Actually, what am I saying? Even more like mid-90s, mm-hmm. you know? And um, 
the place was just great. And uh, I, I would do open mic nights there, but I started meeting all these friends and people um, would always ask, you know, where are you playing next? Like I had never had that in my entire short-lived music career. Somebody saying, hey, where are you playing next? <laughs> and I was like, wow, so that's what it feels like to be doing something that people want. And, so and that I was, was like, when you had started doing the uh, When I started comedy. doing comedy, you okay. know, making fun of music as opposed to trying to do it for real. And... um yeah, and then I started getting, uh, I put it out a little cassette tape and uh, got it to the radio stations. I started getting airplay on like the 5 o'clock funnies on KLOS out here and the Dr. Demento show. And um, before you knew it, I had an album and then I knew all these comedians because Bud Friedman had seen me. And mm-hmm. then he, he actually asked me to go to start doing shows at the Improv because he saw me at the Genghis Cohen, which was a place that I used to yeah. play. And uh I met uh, comedians like Doug Stanhope and a uh, bunch of uh, people, and they um, they would start bringing me out as their opening act because it kind of made sense. Because mm-hmm. if you're a stand-up, you can bring out a musical act, and it doesn't really step on what you're doing. And um, did you have any qualms about switching from playing music clubs to comedy venues? Um, you know. Th- in a way, there there were pluses and minuses there. It's a great question. Like the first legit like road like comedy club that I did was the Houston Laugh Stop, which I didn't know at the time, but it was like legend in the making at that moment. It was already kind of legendary anyway, but it was amazing. Just every night, there's you know two to three hundred people, and they're all just laughing so hard, and they're buying CDs. Mm. It was just crazy. Um, it was just like this really great time and all the comedy was great. And if you look at the lineup back then, it was like, you know, Mark Marin and Louis CK and Arch Barker, Zach Alphanakis, David Tell, like everybody on the, mm. the lineup was just fantastic. And so it was really cool. So on the one hand, I was like, wow, this is great. I went from struggling to get 30 people to come see me at the Genghis Cohen to being at a place where the people are already there and the paycheck was already there too. And I remember talking to a lot of musician friends of mine that were blown away by that. They're like, so wait, so you just go and there's already people. <laughs> like usually you have to, you know, do a lot of work to get you to the point where you're in front of people. Out, yeah. yeah, exactly. So it was pretty cool. Um I would later find out that the combination of both is probably the way to go. Like, you know, actually building the fan base and playing for whoever happens to be there. But mm. I got really spoiled because I would just show up and there'd be all these people and you just perform. The disadvantage of it though is there became a pressure to make people laugh all the time. Whereas, like I said, when I started, it was supposed to be a little bit of a troll. You know, it was like people um, were supposed to not really know right away whether this was supposed to be funny or not. And Mm -hmm. then sort of this, so, uh, you know, so-called smarter people or whatever, people that are just more kind of savvy with like satire or whatever would suddenly go, oh, I get it. We're being put on right now. This is all a joke. Mm -hmm. You can't do that in a comedy club. Because then you're going to have some very nervous club owners looking at you going, why has it been like three minutes with nobody laughing at all? You Interesting. Know? And, um, and I think that I took a real uh, wrong turn when I started doing the clubs too much because I completely lost the whole thing that I thought was funny about it to begin with, which was to try to trick everybody into thinking it was serious. I mean, it used to be. It was probably two minutes solid of of performing before anybody started laughing. But with the comedy club, you always feel like you have to open with a joke and then get to the joke fast. So I start cutting out parts of the song that were more set up and then just trying to do, you know. And then 
it's some I lost something along the way, you mm-hmm. know, for sure. So it's sort of a double edged sword. Did you regain it? Yeah, well, I think that uh, in about two thousand, unfortunately, I I made a a Comedy Central special during that period of time, where, <laughs> where I'm just sort of, you know, I think it's fine, but I, I think it's pretty clear that I don't really know exactly what it is that I'm after. Do you think it's funny? Um, yeah, I mean, they they're all sort of the songs that I wrote right from the beginning, but I have uh, I have songs that I that I had recorded. Um, better better recordings of those because mm-hmm. my heart was more in it. Right. But in 2008, then um, my buddy and I made this movie, Punching the Clown, and it was uh, there was no club owner watching to make sure that people are laughing. It was just me and like 50 of my friends acting out real situations that have happened in the past. Sarah Silverman, uh, Tignataro. Well, that's the new movie. Oh, okay. Yeah, but this was one, this, there was an original movie, Punching the Clown, which uh, is very hard to get. I think it's on Amazon.com now. You can Oh, this you can explains why I was yeah. seeing 2016 and also 2010. Yeah. Okay. There's Punching the Clown and then there's And Punching the Clown, which is the new one. And and I'll explain the title too, which might might not stick but uh, <laughs> yeah but the uh so we made this movie and um and then i was at molly malone's which was another one of those clubs back then uh where we taped uh, a couple of shows and we interspersed that throughout the movie and that um that's when i started feeling funny again like mm-hmm. i suddenly when it came out and i and i saw people like giggling at it i was like Okay, maybe that's what's funny about me is more of a quiet, dry kind of approach. And I think with the clubs, I was just trying too hard to to match the energy of the of the crowd. Whereas I should have been when you watch like Flight of the Concords or all those guys that are great. It's more like they're doing their energy and everybody else is meeting them where yeah. they are. And I think that's a better way to go. Is it like a matter of trusting that the audience will yeah will follow? Yeah, and I didn't have that faith at all. And, and rightfully so, because you're just playing for random people, bachelorette parties or some guy on a date or whatever. They, they're they not coming to see you specifically. Mm-hmm. So you they're going to get a little... There's going to be some friction in the beginning of any comedian's career while they're trying to find their audience. Right. You know? But do you... So it sounds like you feel like you were being inauthentic a little bit. Yeah. Or like searching for your voice or had sort of taken a detour and gone against... What is your voice? But That's fair. Mm-hmm. what I'm wondering is, did it, uh, did it cost you career-wise? Was it like you could have been great being yourself, but instead you were somewhat unfunny trying to do jokes? Or were you funny, but it just wasn't who you feel like you are? Does that question yeah, make yeah. sense? Yeah, yeah. No, it does. Um, yeah, I think, I think I lost a couple of valuable years there, to be honest with you. I feel like uh, – but, you know, I mean, who knows? Maybe I would have uh, – gotten really huge doing something and then just burned out completely who knows uh but i definitely feel like um there there was there were several years in there that i when i was doing the like the real club situation now the other thing is that you can't um deny the amount of um the what's it I like to use a metaphor like the muscles that you're working out when you're in front of a crowd of any sort you know right. you start learning how to get out of a jam you know somehow by pulling out certain you know and, and, when, and you can only imagine that when you watch 
seasoned comics and when they get TV shows in front of live tapings that they're that they're just a little bit better at saying the right thing that's going to make the live audience laugh because mm-hmm. they've been doing it just becomes a knee jerk reaction. It's like a learning curve. Yeah, so I definitely got a lot of great experience that way. But the only thing that I regret is that I was doing it on their terms as mm-hmm. opposed to and it it makes sense because I also wanted to pay the rent, you know, if if I'm stand, if I'm doing a show in 45 minutes, uh, people laugh three times. The chances are they're not going to have me back. So, it's uh, it's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Henry Phillips, fierce individualist. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fiercely individual. <laughs> um, Individually fierce. That's right. All of those <laughs> things. So, um, explain the initial punching the clown and then the new one. And okay. also, can you tell us what the movie is? Yeah. and was about. So the first movie was about the experience it's funny i always play henry like in henry's kitchen i'm henry in the movie i'm henry um someday well like silicon valley was the first thing i wasn't henry so i think right. that's a good what's your character's name good, in silicon it's valley just again? john yeah there's a yeah i think that there's a um a new plateau that you reach when you finally start uh, not only having your name you know, it's, like, it's just sort of like you're professional all of a sudden it's like i'm john a different guy now but um but yeah with punch in the clown it just it's a little bit like uh curb your enthusiasm where his name you know is larry david right in yeah. Curb your enthusiasm yes. yeah so it's he's playing himself but they're acting out funny situations mm-hmm. and that's kind of what what punching the clown was it was uh, a lot of it was based on a record deal uh, situation that I had, and it was just all the stories that I used to tell everybody all the time. And one of my favorite ones, for example, um, I was on this radio show, and they started playing a, one of my demos. It was on KFI out here, talk radio, mm-hmm. and they started playing my demo. And while it was playing, I kind of motion to the dj i was like you know this song has the word shit in it right wait can i say shit yes yes okay yeah it's still a little bit of that radio right uh, you can say anything thing. yeah okay but anyway so i was like this has the word shit in it what am i gonna um you know what are we gonna do you got and then this uh the girl it was a girl who was the dj was like well why don't we do this when it comes just meant motion toward me and then I'll duck the sound and then you can come into the mic and say a cinema, a synonym like poop or whatever. <laughs> and I was like, this is crazy. Like I'm not, my timing is not this awesome. And just knowing the fact that if we don't get it right, then we're saying shit on AM and radio, <laughs> which is really, I mean, it might be hard for future generations to know how bad that is, mm. but that's just awful. I mean, I know they have a second, seven second delay or whatever, but Anyway, uh, we did it, and it couldn't have gone worse. Like, <laughs> I motioned to her too late, so you just hear loudly shit through uh, the the radio, and then I come in to cover it up, but I'm, I don't know, I just messed up, and I just went, shit, like really loud, right right on the... And uh, she was like, what are you doing, you crazy idiot? you know? And I, and I was like, oh, but that's they're going to... Can they fix that or whatever? And she's like, oh, yeah, they have a whole time machine here that they just go backwards and make sure the whole thing didn't happen. What do you do? She was really upset. So anyway, that was a story I was telling a lot of people. And uh, so we put that in the movie. We opened the whole movie with that scene. And um, and it was really well received. We did a couple of uh, film festivals and got some awards for it. And eventually it was on Netflix. And um, 
it did well enough with reviewers and audience members, and we gained the support of people like Sarah Silverman, who was just such a huge supporter of the first movie. She just very publicly said it was her favorite movie about comedy, hands down. That was so great. Wow, that and, was, I uh, felt really good. Yeah, it was fantastic. And, um, and she even agreed to be in a sequel. So we made a sequel. Um, at first it was called Still Punching the Clown. That title didn't really test well because what about people who didn't know that the first one existed, <laughs> you know, that still just sounds like a sequel. So um, there's a running joke in the in the new movie, which is more about the um, movie and TV world, about this thing called alpha stacking, where if you start a movie uh, title with something that starts with an A or a number or something, mm-hmm. then you get listed higher in the video on demand. It's just another one of these things that everybody's doing to try to kind of trick people into watching their thing instead of actually making something good or whatever. <laughs> so, um, it's like the clickbait. Yeah, of titles. yeah, yeah, exactly. So we have this thing. And so, uh, as a reference to that, we thought it'd be funny to call the movie and punching the clown. <laughs> I wanted to call it, ah, punching the clown, <laughs> but we couldn't do that. But, uh, Anyway, uh, unfortunately, that title's caused some confusion, and we might we finally have a distributor now that we're talking to, and we might have to let go of that dream. Confusion but, um, because people are like, well, what because is it? of like exactly what you said, like you're seeing, oh right, this thing from uh, and isn't a big enough to, word yeah. to make you think that it wasn't like a typo or something like that. Always you know? punching like, the clown, yeah, but like still punching the clown. At least it still is a more unique word, but yeah, or always, um, yeah. Anchovies, <laughs> yeah. punching the clown. Aardvark. There's two A's. <laughs> I was right just going to say, Aardvark, Aardvark punching yeah. the clown. Nobody's going to know that's not a joke. And, you know, you get the guilty pleasure of actually doing the thing that you're making fun of. And it really did work. Like, we were in South by Southwest, and that you'd see a listing in one of these things that says, like, 10 movies to watch mm-hmm. or whatever. And we were listed right at the beginning because they went in alphabetical order. So. Yeah, there was and this. Now I know why people do it. This thing in um, Vulture, the New York Magazine. Site um, that was like I don't know if it was ten or twenty podcasts to listen to this summer, and I was first because Allison oh, Rosen is your best friend, and yeah. I just did I I did not uh what is it called alpha stacking I didn't alpha even stacking, realize that yeah. I just have naturally alpha stacked yeah no you yeah you 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 lucked out on that yeah but now there's a lot of people that are changing their names to Aaron <laughs> oh I this I'm gonna tell you a really quick story that uh, I hope isn't really too gross but um i like gross when i first got my phone my like when i first delved into the cell phone world like remember we we used to have all these problems with like um the phone not being hung up or mm-hmm. a- accidentally dialing something now they've fixed all that kind of my stuff. my mom still but yeah yeah all the time well i i went uh to a meeting with this guy named aaron addison or something like that you know and he was the first guy on my phone and we went uh, to a meeting to talk about something that that he wanted to get me to do that I didn't really feel like doing. It was some kind of business thing or whatever, and I didn't wind up doing it. Is this like a multi? Yeah. Or I don't even remember what it was. Yeah, but we we had lunch and it was sort of like whatever, and we went our separate ways. And then, but the guy's name was still in my contacts in my phone. And then, um, 
there must have been five or six times that I was going to the bathroom <laughs> when I was going number two that I noticed that my phone had called him and it was like a three minute call and I'm like, what in the hell? Like, I'm probably leaving this. He must be like, wow, that guy. Why does he call me like a grunt? Out of, out of his mind. Like, it's not even somebody who's a friend of mine. It's just right. some guy that I had this random thing with. But I was like, yeah, but. It called him because the way that that phone was situated, it was because his first name was like two A's in a right. row or whatever. Well, if it makes you feel any better, he's he probably is aware that it was completely accidental because if you have a name yeah. that starts with A, you're used to... Because I feel like it doesn't... Actually, it really doesn't happen that much anymore, <laughs> but for a long time, it would happen a lot. And I think I would just yeah. realize I was probably the first person in that person's phone. Yeah, well... What he, a weird glitch that probably... It, yeah. <laughs> He probably saw it and said, oh, this is interesting. Henry's calling me. Maybe he wants to do that thing right. or whatever. And then you just listen and it's, <laughs> what? <laughs> is he making fun of my business deal? What the heck is that? Um, yeah, I don't know. You're from New Jersey, right? Yeah. You grew up in LA? I was born in New York City. And then when I was eight, we moved to Englewood, New Jersey. And then moved out here when I was 13. Mm-hmm. So um, kind of all three. Do you have siblings? I do. I have a brother, older brother. What was your childhood like? Um... It was different from everybody else's. I mean, obviously, when you're when you're doing it, when you're, when you're doing your childhood, you don't necessarily think it's different because you don't have anything to compare it to. But looking yeah. back, it's kind of weird. 100th Street and Riverside uh, in New York for the first eight years. So we were there in 77, the famous uh, summer of Sam or whatever. And um, I remember uh, the blackout and all the... Um, looting that was going on and mm-hmm. the kind of fear that everybody had and uh those really hot summers and um there were a lot of kids on the block that were uh just sort of street kids you know it wasn't really uncommon to get have like if you had a skateboard for somebody to like steal it or whatever there was a lot of that kind of thing going on then we moved to new jersey which englewood is right across from the george washington bridge and it's very pleasant that was very nice. Is that why you guys moved there for pleasantness? Uh, I think that once my parents were financially able to uh, to live in a house, that was just sort of like more idyllic, you know, for kids and stuff like that. Because mm-hmm. yeah, I got involved with uh, little league and I had friends, and you know, everything was just a little bit different. Um, and New York was still there, you know, it wasn't very far. So I'd still go there all the time, you know, with my mom or whatever. And your dad mm-hmm. is a character actor? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, and Bill Wiley. And my mom is also an actor. Yeah, she's done commercials. Back then she used to do, like, commercials all the time. And so mm-hmm. she'd bring me into the city either when they were she was auditioning or shooting or whatever. One time she tried to get me to audition for a commercial and I was terrible. Just the worst. How old were you? It was, I was, I guess I was probably about eight or something and um yeah it was like all i had to do was just say oh mom i'm sick and i couldn't do it i just was too shy and i was just and there, i remember the director if if i would have known how much money there was in, in that racket like cough medicine commercial like i would have figured out how to do it but mm-hmm. instead i was just like no way at that age, you think the money would have been enough for you? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> would you no, have understood I mean, it? If, if I would have known now. Right. If I would have been my mom, I would have started beating me until I said it correctly. <laughs> but um, no, yeah, I, I was never going to be an actor like in that way. But um, that's kind of a little bit ironic that I wound up sort of getting into it. Mm-hmm. 
So you're a shy kid. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think a lot of that has to do with, uh, I don't know, I could be wrong, but I think I always assumed it had to do with moving so much because you're moving and all of a sudden you're the guy who doesn't know anybody. Right. So it's a little hard to be extroverted. But then again, there are people that probably use that to their advantage. But yeah, I just was always kind of a little more um, quiet, I guess. Terrified of drawing attention to myself. You mm-hmm. know? That's the worst thing that could ever happen. Like I just try to make a shirt that looks like it blends in with what everybody else is wearing. <laughs> yeah. So New Jersey, and then when did you move out to oh, LA? So we moved out to LA and I guess 83. We had come out here for a summer prior to that. And my dad did this episode of Taxi that was really great. It was like everybody on the show like all the characters lose their jobs and elaine winds up working for my dad who's this guy who's been with this company for 23 years and it was just a classic and it started his whole like tv Mm -hmm. career so that was pretty exciting and that was why they moved out to la because they just saw all this opportunity and as a kid i was like oh this is the best like this is great there's the beach there's palm trees um the cops look just like the guys from Chips. You know, I was like, "This is really cool." Let's go to Sunset Boulevard or Burbank. Like, I always hear Burbank. They always say, like, you know, if you want to write a letter to the Tonight Show or whatever, it's just Burbank, California, or whatever. Um, so yeah, it was really, really uh, pretty cool. And then we settled into uh, Locker Center, California, and wound up. Uh, getting getting really into the music that was really my that's where i got into all that Mm -hmm. yeah and was that from was there music that you were hearing that you were super into or did you have friends who played um yeah well i was really into uh like metal like hard rock music at an early age starting with like black sabbath and then led zeppelin and iron maiden acdc and all that kind of stuff and um when I suddenly I got an electric guitar and started playing it, I was like, wow, I'm, I'm actually sounding like, you know, and then of course you'd have friends that, that were amazing at it, that would inspire you. And it just became just an extreme hobby for me. I was just so into it. I could not stop doing it. Mm -hmm. And then it expanded into like classical guitar and jazz music and all this other stuff and started taking more serious classes in it and private lessons and went to a music school for a little while. What school? uh, it was called the Dick Grove School of Music. Uh, it's now defunct, but it was great. It was really cool. And, um, yeah, so, um, but yeah, music was a major part. And, and so, like right now, I mean, you saw the special. I have a song called The Guitar Pill, um, <laughs> where, you know, I take a pill and then all of a sudden I can just jam on the guitar. And that was after a long time of trying to figure out how, well, I feel like I can play the guitar, and it's such an important part of me. How can I fit that into the act? I right. Mean, that song. It's very impressive. Oh, after cool. The pill. Oh, thanks. <laughs> thanks. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just like, it seems like such a waste. I mean, like right, Steve Martin to... used to use his banjo playing and stuff. It seems like if you have anything, you're on stage, go ahead and do it. You know? Right. But it's like, how do you, if you're a comedian, just start jamming on the guitar or whatever. But um, but then that song, it just kind of all made sense. So, mm-hmm. so at what point did you realize you were funny oh um just uh earlier today when i told that uh, <laughs> that story about being on the radio no um 
I there was always uh you know there was one particular time that um a friend of mine had a camcorder and he was recording all of us and there was like this accidental jump cut that he had that went right from a friend of mine right onto my face and everybody was laughing in the room just at my face because <laughs> I looked so startled and kind of scared and clueless or whatever. And I've always thought about that. I was like, yeah, I guess I am kind of a funny looking guy or whatever. And then every now, I always used to have mm. really bad allergies too. So <laughs> like, I don't know if that would somehow make me always sound a little bit distracted or mm. a little bit uh, just kind of like I'm stoned or something like that or just kind of hazy or whatever. But um yeah, I definitely knew I wasn't like the suave, you know, like Studley dude. And I was like um, always, you know, trying to crack my friends up. And that's kind of where the whole comedy act came from. Because musicians, I still say that musicians are, some of them can be the funniest people in the world. Some of them can be like a little too uh, too touchy-feely and, and offended when you say some <laughs> things, but, uh, which is beautiful. That's a nice quality to have, too. But there are some friends of mine that I had that were musicians that would just kill me. Mm-hmm. You know, just we would laugh so hard. And, um, yeah, th- this first song that I did uh, was called What Do You Want Me To Do About It? And I do it in the special also. Um, but yeah, I started doing that for my friends, like when we were playing in bands and stuff like that, where I would sing like a couple of verses and then I would end it by saying, what do you want me to do about it? It's so stupid, but it always got my friends laughing. And that's the one that I wound up doing at open mic nights to begin with. And the audiences liked it just as much as my friends did. But that, that was definitely that period of time when I was like, I thought I was at least as funny as my friends that were that I thought were hilarious. Mm-hmm. And then, um, I don't know, but it took a long time to go from there to actually being able to perform comedy. It's like it's two different skills. Right. Know? Do you still consider yourself shy? Uh, not really, no. How'd I think you get I over, got it? over it? Uh, drinking, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly I was a changed man. No, I... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there might be part of me that still gets a little bit like, oh, God, I can't believe that happened. This is embarrassing. Well, you've seen also in the special, like, I have that whole story about, like, being at the bank, and there's a girl in front of me, and I'm trying not to sneeze, so all she hears is this, like, (laughs) 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 and then there's, like, no sneeze, or or this thing about the elevator, which is a true story, um, where... I was just in this elevator and I didn't know which way I was supposed to go. So I I just chose (laughs) to go left (laughs) and there's just a wall there. But for some dumb reason, and I guess this probably explains how I might be shy in a weird way too. I didn't want anybody in the elevator to think that I just, that I screwed up, which is so dumb. Of course you screw up. You don't know. Nobody is expecting. So I went left and instead of just going whoops wrong way i just thought well i'm gonna stand here and hide against this wall and wait for the doors to close (laughs) so i was literally standing there hiding against the wall and while i was standing there and the doors aren't taking forever to close it was so awkward and i look across the hall and there's this giant mirror and i can see every single person in the elevator and they're staring at this guy who's just standing at the wall and then the doors close right at that moment so that's the last thing anybody sees and they must have been going 
what was that? Like, what the hell was just happening there? And uh, that's, I think that's a good example. Like, sometimes I'll go so far out of my way to not draw attention mm-hmm. to myself that I'll wind up doing it way too much. And I think that's just like painful shyness. That's a lot of stories tend to come from that. I remember I went bowling, I think it was in high school. And I threw the ball and like my finger stuck in it or I don't know what happened, but somehow I lost balance and I fell. Um, and I was just lying there in the lane and I thought, maybe if I don't get up, no one will realize this happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know how long I laid there, but then I'm like, well, this is not going to work. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, that's the exact same kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like there are so many opportunities for this kind of awkwardness as someone goes about their day and... I get stuck in a lot of them. And yet there are people, I think, who move through the world who somehow, it's like parallel universes. Mm-hmm. There's the getting stuck in all this awkwardness and being aware of just the like foibles of being a human being. And then there are people who like somehow, I feel like they just, their world has none of that. I know. Doesn't it seem like that? Yeah, no, I've met people like that. Like, you know, you'll you'll be like, hey, let's go around and tell like the most embarrassing story. <laughs> but yeah, there's some people that just, that's not part of their whole world you know yeah i enjoy that stuff well probably everyone who likes your comedy enjoys that yeah no i love it because it'll start with being embarrassing and then an hour later i'll like and i'm I'm, i feel like i'm at the airport so often and something about the airport that maybe just the sleep deprivation or just the sensory overload of all the people but there's things that really crack me up and so something will happen, and then like an hour later, it'll just strike me how funny. Like I mean, when it happens, I'm like, oh, this is weird. But an hour later, I'll, it'll just strike me how funny it is, and then I'll just start laughing. And uh, I had I had kind of a funny moment recently because I was on the plane, and I had my earbuds in, and I listened to like static because it helps me fall asleep. It just drowns everything out. And I thought about an encounter that I had like at the Starbucks like two hours earlier when I was at the airport. And I just started laughing at it. And I just like, and it must have been laughing really loud. I was just like, <laughs> you know, full volume. And then like people were turning around and looking at me. But when they saw that I had the earbuds, they must have been like, oh, this guy's listening to a very funny podcast, CD or yeah. podcast or whatever. <laughs> if they could have heard what I was hearing, it was literally just <laughs> <laughs> they would have been like, this guy is out of his mind. Like this guy's completely crazy. But um but yeah, I love those types of things. They always make me laugh. But yeah, like when you when you fall and you if everybody's like, Are you okay? and then you you'll painfully walk straight, you know, because you don't want anybody to think that you're in pain. <laughs> you know, right. that just makes it worse. Or there was one time this was I think it was in high school where uh a girl, there was a girl who had a crush on me or something like that. And she would try to embarrass me. And she was like, hi, Henry. And she, she went around a corner and I could see that when she went around the corner, she tripped and all I saw were her legs go up in the air. And I was like, oh, this is really awkward. Cause she was saying hi. And I didn't go over there. Cause I was just like, that's too, it's too embarrassing. It's mm-hmm. too cringeworthy. So I just was like, I hope somebody goes and finds her. But uh, I was too embarrassed to help out somebody who could have been dead. I don't know. But uh, it was too embarrassing. But anyway. Um, now I'm going to ask a question where I'm going to try to put you in a box okay. that is an unnecessary distinction, but I'm going to try to make it anyway. Um, 
So I uh, used to interview and write about bands and actually also play in a band. And so I like the first, I don't know, big chunk of my life was always spent with musicians. And oh, then cool. now I spend a lot of time with comedians. Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel at, at, at root more like a musician or a comedian? Oh, um, this is what I'm saying. Like it's a, it's a unnecessary distinction. No, you no, could yeah. Both, but at the very moment, there's no doubt it's comedian. I don't know that that's always been the answer, but I'm actually really happy that I really know the answer to that. Now. Mm-hmm. I love music. It's fantastic. But I can tell it's not what I keep going after, you know? There's probably little uh, doors that open up that go like, hey, do you want to do more music? And it's sort of like, nah. <laughs> but friends of mine will ask me, hey, do you want to jam? You know, I've got a lot of friends that are comedians, too, um, and great musicians, you know, that like, do you want to jam? And I'm like, nah. I don't know. I was taking orchestration lessons back uh, about 10 years ago. And um, God, it's been 10 years. It's crazy. But um, it uh, it was really fulfilling. It was a lot of fun. But I didn't finish it. What is orchestration? Um, taking all the instruments, the violins and uh, the horns and the... the um, like composing the all woodwind. of it? Yeah. Knowing... Um, what they all sound like together and writing mm. all the various parts wow. and stuff. Yeah. So I, I was doing that because I was like continuing something that I always really loved and it's fascinating, but I, I just, uh, my heart was going way more. It was right about the time that we were prepping to do punching the clown. And I was like, no, the, the music that I get out of doing my comedy is enough. And like with my Henry's kitchen thing, that's a, a nice outlet because I have this alter ego, Jose Suicidio, who is this like <laughs> depressing songwriter. And so that I get a lot of my musical um, catharsis out from that because there's, uh, you know, I, I try to make it sound like that kind of uh, 70s sort of like um, string arrangements and stuff like that. So I use mm. a lot of the knowledge that I have, but that's enough. Like um, to me, it's all about doing comedy and i can tell because of the way the things that i'm doing like nobody's paying me to to make these henry's kitchen videos or i have another series called you and your fucking coffee (laughs) which is another web series that i have and i just i cannot get enough of being around funny people and doing comedy and all that stuff so i definitely know the answer to that i don't know that i always did though Mm -hmm. um with henry's kitchen did you do those yourself yeah yeah for the most part, I do it all myself. I just set up the flip cam and uh, flip just cam. Start, yeah, they don't make yeah. those anymore. I know. I had to buy one on eBay because mm-hmm. I had two of them that were destroyed. But I'm afraid to move to another camera because I'm like, well, this is working, and yeah, I don't want it to look different, you know. Um, so yeah, I I just set it up because the the very thing that I'm parodying is usually the people that do it all by themselves. Right. So every now and then I'll cheat and I'll have a friend who hold the camera and um i uh some i I try to be very careful with that because i don't want once you introduce that there's somebody else in the room then it changes the entire dynamic right now um but yeah from that the the you and your fucking coffee is just like this (laughs) series about how i just politely ask somebody for coffee and it sets off this sort of chain reaction that winds up like screwing up everybody's lives and um those are uh, those i did through the jash channel Mm -hmm. and um they're much higher budget but i direct those and um and it's fun it's it's uh sort of a start for me in terms of directing which is something that i love Mm -hmm. um 
Oh no, I lost my question. Was it uh, a tag to the uh, music versus comedy no, question? No, I don't or, think it was. Oh no, I know what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, the Henry of Henry's Kitchen, and it sounds like all the Henrys mm-hmm. that you portray <laughs> are very dark slash depressive. Would you agree mm-hmm. with that? Yeah, yeah. Oh, and by the way, in Mike Birbiglia's movie uh, Sleepwalk with Me, I play Henry too. Okay, so yeah. Wait, which one is Henry? I saw that. Which which one is Henry? I'm a, a comic I'm... that he meets about an hour through. Uh, he meets a few other comics. Um, and we have this whole scene where we're smoking a cigarette on the patio. Yes. Talking about pizza. And um, at one point I catch him while he's in the shower and he's having a nightmare. And I, mm-hmm. I'm telling him that you're not supposed to act out your dreams. You're just supposed to watch them like movies. <laughs> and, you know. But yeah, so... We we just called me Henry because that's that's what Mike knows me mm-hmm. as and that's what I am. So it just seems so easy. It's good. It's your brand. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so would it's you? It's also a sign that you're not famous. Like, <laughs> like, if you're Cher, they're not going to call you Cher in a movie, right? I just think of Cher as a go-to famous person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but now you're the you're this new guy in Silicon Valley. Yeah, you have John. A name. John, I have my first name. So would you agree that all the 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 majority of the Henrys you play are very dark? like depressed individuals um to to some extent but like different extents you know like the um i think that the punching the clown uh character is much more me for sure and uh but still not a hundred percent you know mm-hmm. i think in general i'm a i'm a much happier guy than is portrayed mm-hmm. especially in the new ones pretty desperate you know but um but it's much more realistic, whereas the Henry's Kitchen thing is a, is a, certainly a parody, right? The, usually, like the longer um, some uh, the media is, then the more close to reality it'll be. Because like a two minute thing, you can actually be ridiculous. But if you're going to try to make it like a half hour mm-hmm. show, you kind of have to eventually make it a real person. And if it's an hour and a half movie, then you really have right. to show all the aspects of somebody. Well, you kind of answered the question. I was going to ask, like, how much of that is in you? I mean, is there a part of you that does feel like, is there a nihilist part of you that's like life? Well, I th- was it in your, now I'm forgetting where I saw you say this, but like when you, you wake up and just realize that, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that there's something where you're saying like life is really Oh yeah, yeah, awful. yeah. I know what you're talking about. Is that yeah. the special or is and that? It's in my What Do You Want Me To Do About It song where okay. I just talk about how um, there's really no reason to wake up in the morning. Yes. That's a little bit nihilistic. Um, like is there a part of you that is, is that way? Yeah, I think, I think it starts with being that way and then once you realize that you can laugh at it, um, then it doesn't, then you don't feel that way anymore. Mm. It's like, oh, well, this is a way that we can deal with it. But, um... Yeah, no, I've always been a glass half full or I'm a half empty guy and I've always been uh somebody who um like if somebody brings up something positive I'll say, "Yeah, but that's not going to work because of blah blah blah," you know, and then people will be like, "Well, why are you being well what what's the point of trying to sugarcoat it if it's not true or whatever, you know?" So, I I've always been a little bit of a dour person for sure. But I've also found a lot of humor in that mm-hmm. place, you know. Do we, the comedy that I like has always been like that too, right? Deep thoughts, you know. That was always one of my favorites, you know. Uh, Stephen Wright, you know, and we talked about Gary Shandling, Albert Brooks, Woody Allen, um, 
The list goes on. Bob Newhart was always one of my idols. Mm-hmm. That was great. Here's another. I don't usually tell high school stories, but here's another sure. one. Um, I was in math class, and I was overhearing a conversation between this girl who was a cheerleader and a guy who was a water polo player, and we were all reading Catcher in the Rye in mm-hmm. um, English class. And the girl said to the guy that she kind of liked the book, but the thing is, Holden is just so negs on life. <laughs> <laughs> He's just so negs on life. <laughs> negs, yeah. So you're so you've always been kind of negs <laughs> That's on so life. So <laughs> funny, yeah. I guess so. I guess I've always been kind of negs. Um, oh, you were gonna say something? Just the fact that uh, I, if people out there know people that are dour or have a dark sense of humor or tend to be kind of depressive or whatever, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're um that they're unhappy, you know, they're just like being in that space. You know, mm-hmm. I've always, you know, there, there have been times, you know, certainly in my early twenties when I was kind of directionless or going through really bad, uh, breakups, um, where, yeah, I felt very actually legitimately depressed, but I think that's just kind of normal. But for the most part, I just think it's, it's hilarious. Mm. Well, that's what I was going to ask. Do you tend to have depression? Not as much as I used to anymore. I think that, yeah, when you get older, you start uh, leveling out a little bit. I mean, mm-hmm. that's my, that's what happened to me anyway. I think yeah. the 20s are just a tough time. It's hard, yeah. Well, you're not a teenager anymore. And um, yeah, you're, I mean, I was terrified of so many things. It was just like, I didn't want to die. It's like, what can I do, you know, to not get, a disease, you know, or mm-hmm. whatever. Like I it was a hypochondriac, you know, and uh, socially awkward and, you know, uh, financially terrible. You know, I was just, yeah, I think it's a hard time. But, um, yeah, getting older. I, when I had my 40th birthday about six years ago, I remember looking around just going, life is good. Like, this is great. Mm-hmm. I, I know what I'm doing uh, with my life and I like it. And uh, I've got good friends, you know, that's taken a long time to get, you know, it takes a long time to have people in your life that, you know, that are keepers, you know? Right. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so it's pretty cool. Do you have a sense of where that, um, like, heaviness of spirit comes from? Hmm. Yeah. Or world weariness? Um, it probably comes from actually feeling that way a lot. Yeah, it, it probably just comes from uh, how much better it feels when you are in the dumps to have... Uh, to actually bring it up and make people laugh about it. It's, it's a pretty wonderful thing, you know? Um, I'm trying to think of other, yeah, I, I keep going back to that, that movie modern romance just kills me so much because he, what he's doing is he's showing how ridiculous we are when we're in relationships and he's just completely clueless about it. And, you look at that and then you think about the way that you've acted in relationships and go, oh man, I was just as stupid as what mm-hmm. he's showing is happening right now. And and it's fun, you know, it's fun to know that somebody else has been through the same thing that you're getting, that it's normal, you know, and then you start laughing, you know, I don't know. Are there certain patterns in relationships that you repeat or um, did? Oh, I'm sure, yeah. No, I'm terrible in relationships. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm in a very happy relationship now. Um yeah, I think so, but I think a lot of that is just trying to find, you know, the right person, you mm-hmm. know. I tend to uh 
complain a lot in relationships. About the person? Yeah. But I think that if they didn't do anything to make me complain, then it'd be fine. So you're critical. No, I'm just kidding. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. Who knows? I'm I'm not... I've never uh, read books about it or really put much thought into it other than the, that once you find somebody that you have a great uh, feeling with and that if you can have an argument and it ends civilly yes, because both of you actually gave a little bit and said, oh, I understood what you meant or or even walk away and say, I still don't get what you mean, but I love you. So, you know, then I think once you find somebody where you can both be like that with each other, then I think that's that's what you strive for. Mm. Let's take some questions that listeners sent in on Twitter. When we ask, they send them in. They're wondering how you have been. So thanks so much for answering these questions from our fans. Okay. Amputee Jesus says... Ask him if he's told 10 friends about the rotisserie he got to make good on the promotional offer. Um, I can't even parse that sentence. But, and then it's, it's uh, Todd Glass is also tagged in this. So maybe it, maybe it was something we talked about on, the, on Todd Glass's podcast. Yeah. Um, I, uh, oh, I see. So in order to make good on the promotional offer, you were supposed to tell 10 friends about the rotisserie. I'm quite certain that I didn't, if that's, <laughs> if that was some Do you have 10 friends? This is actually my first time finding, yeah, no, I don't even have 10 friends that I think, certainly not 10 friends that would, uh, that would want a, uh, rotisserie. But, um, I think, uh, that reminds me a lot of those bringer shows where you used to mm-hmm. have to bring like 10 friends, uh, and I was never very good at that either, but, um. Or with music, they had a version of that, pay to play. Oh, pay to play. Yeah, yeah we had no, to buy tickets awful. and then sell them. Yeah, and there's that old saying that says that if you're if you're looking out in the audience and you just see your friends and your family, then you're not making it, <laughs> you know? which is really, really a bummer. But anyway, I'm assuming that that was partially a joke, but if there's something that I'm forgetting about the source of that, then certainly They'll let us know, yeah. me on Twitter, but right now it's sounding very foreign. Aaron Jade says, how does he feel about Doug Stanhope naming his dog after him? Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I think it's an honor. I have a song called The First Time I Saw You where I talk about um, how I went to this girl's house and her parents told me that their dog's name was Henry. And um, I don't know if that's part of where Doug got it or whatever, but uh, one time he called me up and he was like, um, he was like, hey, so we just found uh, this fucking dog uh, underneath our house and... Uh, we're going to keep it and we're going to call it Henry Phillip. <laughs> so uh, just wanted to give you a heads up. And it's hilarious to me because there's so many. It's gotten to like he lives in Bisbee or whatever. So it's like it's not like we hang out a lot. But we used to be really good friends. And we, I still consider him a good friend. But it's like it's great because Henry Phillips, the dog, they've called it that so much. And they see him every day. Or is it a her? I don't remember. But um, they there's just all these stories that are talking about Henry Phillips mm-hmm. that they're talking about the dog. And I just love the confusion. It's <laughs> fantastic. So I'm very happy about it. Uh, yeah. There's either a dog or a child named, there's either a dog named Allison Rosen or a child named Allison Rose, wow. or there's both. I know there's something like that, that someone, that yeah. uh, the, the, the father of the dog or the child emailed me. And about eventually that. they get so close that, the source of the ma- the name 
isn't the significant no. thing anymore. It's no, then I'll be named the after name. them. Yeah, 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 exactly. And Aaron Jade says, what is his favorite recipe that he has done on Henry's Kitchen? Oh, hands down, it's the gluten-free pizza. Uh, well, no, it's, yeah, it's vegan glute vegan-free gluten pizza. <laughs> so there's nothing vegan about it, and it's got gluten in it. And, uh, <laughs> oh, and vegan, I just so, got it. <laughs> yeah, so there's, there's a lot of people, there's this argument that's been going on ever since it started of somebody being like, there's no eggs in vegan. It's not vegan. And I'm like, yeah, I know, it's vegan-free. <laughs> Read it. And they're like, but why would you even do that? Well, don't don't look at it if it's not for you or whatever. So it just goes on forever. And I have vegan friends, and they completely think it's funny too. But um, yeah, I've had. Uh, but yeah, I love that episode. There's a couple of things that I do in it that that are some of my favorites. Like just the fact that it's New Year's Eve, and it's like at one point I reference that it's like twelve oh one, and it's like oh Happy New Year, everybody, and just sitting by myself teaching. But yeah, that's definitely the one. Do you still make Henry's Kitchen? Yeah, I just made uh, fried rice last week. Uh, tuna fried rice, authentic. Um, do you consider yourself a decent cook? Um, no. I honestly think it's like music or comedy or anything. I think there's just some instincts that people have. I always wind up... There's some people that just know how long stuff is gonna is supposed to be frying or in the oven or how much oil is too much or not enough. And I just always mess those up. I'm like, okay, well, last time I put way too much f- oil when I was frying my fried rice. So this time I'll try less. And then it's way too little. And mm-hmm. then it's like, um, or salt and pepper. I mean, there's just so many things with ingredients. Uh, but there's some, like my girlfriend is just fantastic. And she doesn't know it. She's never like taken cooking lessons or just anything. Innate. Like that. She's just really, uh, got this thing where she just sort of knows that you're not supposed to put that much. And I've been doing it every night and you know, I've been cooking for myself for years and I still just, I'm just like, why does this taste like shit? <laughs> but, um, and that's part of why I started, I, I kind of knew going in that it was going to be kind of funny because in real life I really have had people laugh at me when I try to cook, but, um, I have made stuff that's good, but that's probably not, you know, that's more the exception and it wasn't necessarily it was probably by accident that i was like oh this came out pretty like i'm amazed i want to call somebody right like, hey i just made something really yeah good. like what was your real life greatest success cooking wise um probably just something simple like uh if i if i made an omelet that just had the right proportion of like onions with green peppers or something and I didn't burn it or it wasn't too runny and it wasn't too salty or whatever I might have been like this is a damn good omelet and I wish I had somebody to share it with (laughs) (laughs) I don't cook that often but I made a lasagna for the first time um last week oh that's cool and since then i've been kind of obsessed with like i've got to make another one and i want to use a different kind of this and a different kind of this and it's really consumed my thoughts this whole lasagna situation mm-hmm. as i was falling asleep last night i was thinking but maybe i don't need to make like 50 pounds of lasagna like i did last time oh, i could just man. make like a little one and then i was thinking that's what i'll do it's less of a commitment i'll just make a little one and fuck the recipe and all those proportions, I'll just wing it. And then I thought, I feel like that's a bad idea. That's the beginning of a bad idea, yeah, probably. Yeah, probably. Yeah, just But it's funny how fast I want to 
not like, okay, I did the recipe once. Now yeah, I want to yeah, just yeah. do my version of this thing that I don't know why. Yeah, no, you'd have to be a, quite a badass to be able to pull that off. I, well, Maybe I want I, the challenge. <laughs> I made a, uh, what, did I, what was it? I think it was uh, like a spinach and feta uh, casserole thing one time. And uh, I put it in the oven and I was starving. And it was supposed to be in there for 60 minutes. And so I just uh, went and watched TV or whatever, set the timer, and then 60 minutes went by, and I was like, oh, here we go. And I opened uh, the oven and noticed that I didn't turn it on. <laughs> like, I literally did not oh, turn no. the oven on. I was like, oh, this sucks. <laughs> like, and then I wound up just like making a Pop-Tart or something like that, but I was like, oh, that that really hurts. That's sad. I was like, yeah. I wonder why I'm not smelling like anything. <laughs> yeah, that was Aww. bad. Did you end up making I it? I put that um, that bit in my French toast video where I put it in there and then I check it. <laughs> That's why I did oven baked. I remember that because I wanted to get that bit in there. Right. I was like, is there oven baked French toast? And there was. So that's where that was. But yeah, eventually, I think I did eventually, but it was a moot point because I, I was so hungry. I yeah. I some other dinner. Mm-hmm. Well, let's do Just Mirror Everyone. But first, a couple announcements. You guys, the Patreon page that I've been talking about forever is live. It's a great place to go if you're a fan of the show. There's like rewards and bonus content and all sorts of stuff. Um, go to patreon.com slash Allison rosen patreon.com slash allison rosen also i will be doing my podcast live at the la podcast festival september 24th at noon um, and if you can't make it there in person you can buy a ticket to the live stream and you'll get to be, be able to stream the entire festival uh and to do that go to la pod fest right jeff <laughs> my brain is Correct. my brain stopped working lapodfest.com lapodfest.com and use the promo code rosen um, also, apologies for what's happening to my voice right now. Use the promo code ROSEN, you'll get a discount. And also, if you're going to buy something on Amazon, click through the banner on my website, AllisonRosen.com. It doesn't cost you anything extra. It helps out the show. Thank you for your Amazon support. Okay, let's do just me or everyone. Sometimes I ponder on something I have thought or done. Is it just me or everyone? Okay, this is where people write in with things they think or do, and they wonder, is it just me or is it everyone? And then we say whether we relate to these oh, things. Oh, okay. JMOs for Aros says, can type without looking, no problem. Couldn't tell you where any keys are on a keyboard. Yes, that's how I am. Can't, oh, like, yeah. Yeah, you can type without looking, but if someone were to say, where is this key, you wouldn't yeah, really like, know. Yeah, like, where's the O? Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I never even thought about that. I feel like the O... Is it is it where where my right uh, ring finger is? Finger. Oh, yeah, I see, think it's no, right I, ring finger. Maybe that's what it is. Where yeah, is it, I, Jeff? I no, I I don't know how to triangulate it for fingers because I don't know where your hands are supposed to be. But it's yeah. it's uh yeah, that's up, where I thought upper, it was. Upper right speaking. quadrant. So if we're yeah, we're, so you're you're right. Two yeah. o'clock. Yeah. See, my instinct was saying well, I think it's somewhere near where the my index finger. But maybe is, you but no. use your index finger for it. Uh, I might. I don't know. And that, yeah, that typing thing's amazing because I've never taken a lesson in my life, but mm. I can do it okay. I can do it pretty good. Yeah. Uh, Jared C. says, hate when the phone menu says, tell us what you're calling about. Nothing said is ever recognized as an option. Oh, yeah. I hate that. Yes. You well, pretty much. that recently. Yeah. With eBay, actually, because I've been selling my own aprons. Like, <laughs> like how I'm 
working in a plug into the answers here. <laughs> no, that's good. Um, no, but I, I was dealing with them, and they always make you go. They're like, "What's your call about?" And they'll have like eight things, and I'm like, "This is a waste." And I'm looking right for the part that says other, but it, uh, it never Sometimes they don't there. have that option, yeah. Yeah, it really wants you to pick something. And right. I'm like, all right, well, what's the closest thing? But it's just such a waste of time. And, and then like, also there's the fear that I have that what if you press the one that just sends you to another automated yeah, thing? Yeah, yeah. Like I was calling about um, – it was a medical bill health insurance thing, and I needed to talk to like patient finances to because I have different insurance now to update my insurance – And the menu was like, if you're calling about your account to update your account information, I'm like, I think that's it, but I'm afraid I'm going to get there and they're just going to tell me like, you owe this much money. Yeah. 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 I didn't want to deal with that one. Oh yeah. It's bullshit. Awful. Uh, Here's another similar related one. Uh, Matt says in public feel conspicuous when an automated phone menu makes you say the option that you want out loud. Yes. I like to have those calls in private. Oh, um, you're like agent. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> agent. Oh yeah, or like saying the name of the city, like when you're calling the air, right? Airport. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm like that too. Or when it asks for your credit card number. Yes. Uh, three nine one seven. Yeah, you don't want to do that. Yeah, you know, sometimes I'll if it's if I'm talking to a human, I will give my credit card over the phone, and then I'll have them read it back to me, or they just will automatically read it back to me. Yeah, and I wonder. How secure is that? Like if someone's, I don't know. Then again, I feel like all that information is out there anyway. Yeah, I know. I don't know. Uh, okay. James Leroy Wilson says, only want to meet celebrities I admire at planned events and not have the awkwardness of a chance encounter. It's interesting hearing this from the fan's perspective. Oh, yeah. Interesting. They don't want to just be surprised and be right. like, oh, there's that person. Yeah. Oh, I, sorry. Sorry, I happen to be at the airport. <laughs> uh, you know, that's a, that's a good point. Um, I've I've had times when there's a, of course, you know, with the business that we're in, every now and then you'll be at a club and somebody will be like, hey, do you want to meet whoever? Harvey Keitel. Somebody huge. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there's a good example. And I'm always kind of like... Yeah, I mean, yeah, I right. do, but I don't want to meet them under these circumstances. Yes. I think it'd be cool to work with that person or right. to like hang out and have a beer or whatever. But if they're just going to shake my hand and and be like, "Good to meet you," then I don't really care. You know, it's not really something that I'm that interested in doing. Yeah, I actually can see his his point too because it's like where you're wherever you are going about your day, and then all of a sudden you see someone that, like you're saying, normally you would want to meet, but it's whatever the you're not like you're not dressed appropriately for it or you're yeah, not yeah. mentally geared up for yeah, it yeah exactly it's best I, to just meet uh, yeah, I shows I guess Philip Seymour Hoffman at the airport one time and I don't know if it's a well he's a pretty you know obviously even before he passed he was a dark guy anyway yeah. but like uh but an extremely talented and I always really loved him and uh it was just kind of shocked me I was in the uh airport and I saw him and I was just like big fan like that's the first thing that I couldn't even mm-hmm. keep myself from saying that and he was like thanks and then that was the end of that but I was like oh that's kind of nice that that happened but um yeah it kind of tripped me up a little bit Do you get recognized? I do. It's crazy. It's only happening sort of recently but um it it was a couple of people from the Punch and the Clown but now I'll be honest with you it's this Henry's Kitchen thing. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. It just happened to me. I was coming back from Peoria, Illinois and I went through Indianapolis got recognized there by the the lady who takes the the rental car um 
you know, receipts or, you know, who receives the, the rental car. And then uh, I stopped over in Minneapolis and it was, this one was kind of awkward because everybody's trying to get on another plane and, you know, everybody just turns into animals there. <laughs> I was, I was trying to keep it together, but I was pretty upset. Um, and right there at that moment that some guy's like, oh, hey, can I just take a picture of you? I'm, like, I'm a huge fan of your cooking videos. And I'm like, all right, yeah. So and the, you have to be careful because it's like I was about to really, I don't know, I don't really blow up, but I was about to be like, look, if I'm not on this flight, then I'm going to lose money or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, I just, just whatever serious, it's kind of awkward when somebody at that yeah it says like hey can i take a picture i love you oh yeah sure and you're you suddenly to be like in a, a great mood but um right yeah it really has been happening and it's been happening a lot with australian people hmm. which is very interesting to me um i'll be i don't know why that is i was in uh apple store or whatever and there's this australian guy who was only in town for a vacation and recognized me from henry's kitchen so that's so cool yeah maybe i need to go to australia i would <laughs> maybe you do i would <laughs> imagine that people who do recognize you from henry's kitchen are very excited and like want to talk to you more than right more than just be like um, a quick hello they actually haven't been really it's funny that you say that um, i guess the reason i would think that is i feel like with internet celebs, it's more of there's more of a like feeling of accessibility, sort of like a podcast. Yeah, no, or- you're right. I guess I guess there's never been a situation where it was uh, really appropriate. You know, mm-hmm. like uh, there was a girl at the whole Whole Foods, one of the cashiers there who recognized me. So it's not really like we could right. Sit it's not like there, a party you know? or something. And then there was like a a cook who came ba- who came from the back and came up at a, at a little restaurant. Yeah, it's really crazy. Um, okay. Bruise by Dawn says, when a dream ends very well, I almost wish I could start the day at that point. Yes. I've definitely had that. Or what I want to want to do is like go back to sleep and get into the same dream. Yeah. I've, I've had that too. Have you ever had the thing where That's you wake up and then you fall back asleep into the same nightmare? Like oh, the yeah. never ending nightmare? Oh yeah. yeah. Like I got, I got to get up and walk yeah. it off. Yeah. It's awful. Like you have to just change everything. Right. Like stay up for 15 minutes and yeah. And then... Back. It's weird when that happens. Like, what is happening? I guess your subconscious is just like, we must work this particular yeah. thing out. Because yeah. usually waking up should like, like, shake the etch a sketch of your brain, mm-hmm. you know. But sometimes it just doesn't. Yeah, I've I have the most obviously metaphorical dreams. You know, it's just like like what? Well, like I'll be on the beach. And there's a tidal wave coming, but I don't see it. And everybody's telling me, you better get away. And all my friends leave and I'm just there by myself. And I'm like, what's going on? And the tidal wave starts getting closer and mm. I can see it. That's comedy. <laughs> no, I don't <laughs> That's my career. Right. <laughs> everybody else stopped doing it and I'm still in it and going, oh man, what the hell am I doing here? Do you feel like that's the case? Have a lot, uh, of, your, some, a lot of your peers stopped? Sometimes, yeah. A lot of my peers stopped but uh but actually now that i think about it um there's probably about seven or eight really close friends of mine that are comedians and we've all been doing it i don't think that we're going anywhere at this point like we're we're pretty much in it Mm -hmm. and um but yeah in a joking way it's 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 fun to think about like a tidal wave but um I don't know. After a while, you start finding ways that you can make it regular employment, you know? 
Leela Rolling Stone says, when someone texts, call me when you can, I immediately assume something horrible has happened or I've done something wrong. Yes, I do too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think it's rude if somebody does that and they're not. And and it's not an emergency. Right. One time I got a call from a friend of mine who was a good friend, um, but I don't talk to her or see her that often. And um, it, I was about to do a show. And so then I texted her back. And I'm like, hey, I'm about to do a show. Is everything okay? I could just tell from, like, her message was, hey, you know, give me a call when you have a chance. Mm-hmm. And so I knew that I, I was instantly like, something's up. Yeah. Um, and then I texted her. And I'm like, um, hey, I'm about to do a show. Oh, you know, can I give you a call when I'm done? Is everything okay? And she's like, yes, everything is okay. Just mm-hmm. call me back. And when I called her, I found out that our friends, like a friend of ours had well, it was a friend's ex-husband, but still someone that we, like, we all knew quite well had died. So everything was not okay, but I forgave that small fib. Oh, <laughs> or actually, yeah, giant yeah. fib. I forgave that fib because I understand she did it out of not wanting to like oh, me- fuck yeah. me up if right before I had to reason, perform. Yeah, no, I understand that. But, um, but, but yeah, it, yeah, no, like well, there was, when text messaging started, there was that thing where you could choose like preset sentences and there was one that was please call and like way too far into it people were still using that please call and it just sounds so awful right please call it just sounds so desperate yeah yeah um, i'll get people saying hey uh what are you doing saturday and it's like no i'm not gonna tell you that i'm free saturday (laughs) until you tell me what it is that you want me to do (laughs) i actually just did that with my sister i just was like hey what are you doing on this day and then I mean, it's my sister, so I feel like yeah. if she doesn't want to do whatever I'm going to suggest, she can say that. But then I wondered, should I have just said, hey, are you free Friday or Saturday or whatever, want to do this thing, mm-hmm. instead of doing the like, yeah, because I'm always like, mm-mm. Yeah, like, what, <laughs> what is are you, What's that, being dangled yeah, yeah, in yeah, front of exactly. me before I throw, I offer it up? Yeah, they want to, it's a bad sign if they want to first make sure that you can't they lock you down. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think I usually go like, oh, I don't know, what's going on? Yeah. Well, I was going to do this, but I don't know. I might not. Tell right, me. Right, right. Make your sales pitch. <laughs> yeah. Um, Katie Shrum says, in the 30 seconds from an idea... Um, let me uh, make sure I'm saying this right. Okay. Yes. In the 30 seconds from an idea to look for an item on Amazon, then get to Amazon, I forget what I'm looking for. Oh, yeah. I, I have that in general on the internet all the time. Like, yeah. I'll think of something like, ooh, I, I'm going to Google that, and then... Oh, it's the worst. Yeah. You're just talking about getting distracted, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, Like, I mean, because it's business. Like, if you go to check your Facebook messages, there's a lot of actual business that happens in Mm -hmm. comedy there. And I'll go on there specifically to do that. And then I'll just get totally on something else. Right. Like, I'm watching some funny video of animals or whatever, you know. Or I'll go onto YouTube to do stuff with my channel. And then, yeah, they're good at it. They, They know... What's going to distract you? They right. have this giant picture that says, you know, and it's all based on what it knows that you're interested in, too. So, yeah, it's pretty scary. That's the. Are you on Instagram? Uh, not as much. No, I do have an account there, but I don't, I don't okay. use it very much. I so should. Instagram has these sponsored posts or ads, but suddenly they're targeted ads now because I'll be on Instagram and suddenly it's like, an ad for the thing that I just Googled the other day. Oh, yeah. I'm like, how is this Scary. happening? Yeah, Facebook. At first, I was just too. like, that's so coincidental. <laughs> then oh, I, I know. Yeah, Facebook probably, does the same thing. Yeah. Um, Morgan says, still haven't gotten around to removing U2's Songs of Innocence from my iPhone. Oh, I man. haven't either. What a disaster that was. Uh, 
I don't think I have any songs on my iPhone. Because, oh, really? Yeah. It's it, just white it's noise? got the five gigabytes, you know, so uh, the, the music was the first thing to go. Because I can put it on YouTube and listen to right. music or, you know, any of those things. So, you have a five gigabyte iPhone? Uh, it's supposed to be eight, but it's really only five, and I think they even got sued for it. And screw them. I know that they want me to get more, but I'm always like, I had this iPod uh, Nano or whatever that was 8 gigabytes, and that thing was fantastic. So why does this thing suck so bad? And I think that they're just trying to push people to buy more, and I've been fighting it, and I'm only hurting myself. (laughs) It sucks. Uh, And finally, Jeremy Vu says, Fear that my wallet will fall out of my back pocket and onto the toilet every time I pull up my pants after a poop. Well, let's see. I think... For that very reason, I always put the wallet in my front pocket before sitting down there. Yeah, because I would. Yeah, because then when you pull it up, yeah, I would. I would say I'd have that fear too. Hmm. So you move your wallet before going to the bathroom. Uh, let me think this out here. Well, for one thing, if I'm doing number two, chances are I'm at home. Right, so, so the I pants might not are off. Have my wallet. Yeah, yeah, I'm at home and naked. <laughs> no, but uh. Yeah, I don't know. Um, if I'm just trying to picture if I'm at the airport or something like that. Uh, yeah, I think I would take the wallet and put it in my front pocket mm-hmm. just because I do have OCD and I'm paranoid and that would be like the worst thing ever. Right. It happened one time there was uh, – I was at the urinal and there was a guy next to me um, who – I think he had his, uh, his suit jacket like um, – draped on his shoulder or something like that and then when he went to flush the toilet it fell on the floor like just in a giant oh god yes and pubic hair and he was just and he looked like uh you know just one of these classic uh businessmen that you see there and and it was kind of out of character for a guy like that but he just looked at it and he went oh fuck <laughs> like it was like he was trying so hard not to say fuck but yeah. he just couldn't keep it in <laughs> i thought that was great oh it's so gross i wonder what he did i hope he just yeah i mean i don't know he probably sat there at the uh, sink or something like that Ugh, jeff awful wallet poop toilet uh i don't i don't move it i but i i kind of i do keep an eye on it for mm-hmm. sure yeah yeah I guess you could always turn around so that the if you if it's in your back pocket so that your butt's facing away from the toilet. right. It's interesting, listeners. If any of you have dropped, if your wallet has fallen out of your pants when you pulled your pants up and fallen into the toilet, let us know. I have so many friends that have dropped the phone in the toilet. Me too. Is that a reflection on my friends, or I've never done that? I've it, never I haven't that. either. It's so common, though. To me, it seems like outrageous but i guess it's pretty similar to what we're talking about like i guess some people must just have a method that just it's more in danger but Sometime- I, I keep that phone way away from the toilet yeah i don't monkey around with my phone in the bathroom sometimes, for that reason largely yeah sometimes i will set it like on the tank and then i think that's not a good place oh, to no. set it yeah so it is if it vibrates I've just been, it could fall in right i always have the i always have the all the sounds turned off um but yeah, I've been lucky, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I, I am a little OCD. How does it manifest? Like, you know, if if I think that maybe I left uh, 
the iron on or something, I will go back and and make sure. Mm. Or I'll check. Yeah, I'll check things several times, which is definitely a little bit psychotic. But at the same time, at least I know I'm never going to leave the iron on. Yeah, I have that. When I'm leaving, I'm like, oh, did I lock the front door? Am I sure I locked the front door? So I will oftentimes have to come back in, even though I always did. And I'm always like, did I leave my straightening iron on? Um, But there was one time that I did leave it on. So for forevermore, I'm going to have to check. Yeah, I know. That's (laughs) right. It's a justified. Yeah. Well, Henry Phillips, it was so much fun having you on the show. Thank Thank you you so much. much. Can I just mention there was one other question that we didn't get to that somebody I saw on Twitter. Um, They asked me if I was going to do more acting now that I did Silicon Valley. And the answer is a resounding yes. I love doing it and I hope to do it more. And I believe, uh, well, as of now, I've been written into season four of Silicon Valley. Yay. But those guys told me... uh, don't don't ever say that on a podcast. No, I don't know. They just said you know it'll <laughs> you po- it, it could very mom. easily get written out at this point. But anyway, um, absolutely, I, I'm I love acting. So I, I just I saw that question and I thought, yeah, I'd sorry I missed that one. It. No, that's okay. But uh, you were saying uh, I was goodbye. saying. Well, now I have one more question: Is Silicon Valley super fun to shoot? Because I love that show. Well, yeah, and I I had never done something of that scale before as an actor. I had done a couple of things, you know. Um, I have a drunk history out there that's a lot of fun. Um, that's you can see that on YouTube. That's on Comedy Central. And um, but I was terrified. Uh, it was extremely fun, and it felt great to get nervous about something. Mm-hmm. That's something that we all need to be a little terrified. That means you know that you're still just the same way I was terrified to go on stage for the first time doing comedy. You know. Um, but yeah, it's they got a pretty cool thing going on there. Just a lot of talented people and. Uh, Everybody, you know, just making a great show. It's pretty fun. Mm-hmm. You know? Do you audition for a lot of acting stuff or is it roles no, that are written for you? not really. Uh, not that I'm above it. It's just I don't have, I'm not really dialed into that world. I'm kind of looking. To get dialed in? Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd be willing to do more of that mm-hmm. for sure. So if a script shows up and there's a character in it named Henry, they're like, we got a guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we've got the guy for sure. <laughs> um. Follow me on Twitter at Allison Rosen. Follow the show's Twitter feed at A-R-I-Y-M-B-F. Subscribe, iTunes.com slash Allison Rosen. Jeff, where should we go for you? You can find me on Facebook and Twitter at Colonel Jeff Fox. Hashtag, so negs on life. <laughs> <laughs> and Henry, let them know where to find you and um, plug everything that you would like to plug. Okay, yeah. Well, Twitter is probably what I'm the most active on. I love Twitter. It's just great. And... um it's. I'll bet I'm like some old guy now because I like Twitter or whatever. <laughs> I like Twitter too. <laughs> yeah. And um, uh, henryphillips.com. You can see all the videos that we've been talking about. But wait, uh, on Twitter, you're henlips. Yes, henlips. And all the videos that we've made reference to, the Henry's Kitchen, the coffee videos, uh, the trailer for the special and everything, uh, the movie, everything is all on henryphillips.com. So two L's and Phillips. And... Um, but if I could ask anybody to do anything, I would say uh, subscribe to my YouTube channel because that's where I'm enjoying. Uh, that's what I'm enjoying the most lately is making my videos. All right, you guys, which do is Hen Lips also. Okay, and it's there's a link on the website too. Gotcha. All right, so everyone should go to your website. That's like Henry Phillips Central, and mm-hmm. then they should subscribe to YouTube, and they should also buy your special. Thank you. Oh yeah, I forgot about the special. I'm very excited that that's <laughs> out. 
And it's on Vimeo uh, on demand. Very funny. So anybody who's got Apple TV or Roku, you guys can watch it on your system and all that stuff. How did you watch it? Did you watch it on your computer? I watched it on my television. Oh, great. Yeah. Okay, awesome. Uh, I'm so happy with it. I just couldn't be happier that that's all chronicled. Now the burden is on me to write a whole new hour of shit. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thank you again. Thanks. Listeners, thank you for listening. I love you. Goodbye. Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen Show? We had a good time, but now we got to go.